Welcome to SocialCast, the weekly podcast talking about enduring societal hurdles in the United States and how socialism offers a way past them. Hi there, welcome back to SocialCast. This is Lance. And I'm Derek. Today we're going to be discussing workers' unions and collective bargaining. Now, Lance, one of the things a lot of people are talking about right now that strikes me as just particularly uninformed is that people support teachers, but they don't support teachers' unions seems to me that these people don't understand that the unions are made up of the workers that those unions represent. Does that seem That's, right? That would be, I feel, the prevailing piece of ignorance. And, and that's really something that holds true on 98.5% of unions is if you say you support X profession, but you don't support X profession's union... It's it's a contradiction. The unions are comprised of the workers in that profession. And I think this is the thing that a lot of folks don't really understand, is that unions aren't just people. They're not like lawyers. They don't sit in shady rooms and concoct anti-capitalist policies and say, this is what you're going to do for the... The workers or bad things are going to happen. They're they're the people that the union represents. Like booksellers' unions are made up of booksellers. Nursing unions are made up of nurses. Grocery store unions are made up of grocery store workers. This isn't really hard calculus. Like you look at a thing and you say, this must be this. Exactly. Every profession that is represented by a union, that union is the total workers in that profession. So, since a lot of people don't seem to understand much about unions, at least at a very fundamental level of not understanding who the, the union organizers are, let's talk about what unions are, what they do, and what they've accomplished for us so far. I think... One of the simplest definitions of a union, specifically of a labor union, is a group of workers within a profession, within a employer or employment site, that have all banded together to represent themselves to their management. And to add a layer of protection and a layer of buffering, basically, between management and the employee. Um, unions have 
throughout our history given us such things that we basically take for granted now that are so fundamentally basic, such as weekends, the, the concept of having at least two days a week off. Um, the 40-hour work week is directly due to working and fighting that unions have done. Um, overtime pay, sick leave, child labor laws, minimum wage, workers' compensation and health benefits and safe working conditions, um, even legislation like anti-discrimination and equal opportunity are directly due to work that has been done by labor unions and organized labor. Pierre, don't mind the puppy. So I, I've never belonged to a union in any of the jobs that I've had. I've, I've worked pretty exclusively in the retail sector for companies that discourage unionization, which is really a nice way to put that. Um, I've, I've seen actual, like, full-on union busting in a number of, of the jobs that I have held. Talk to me about what being a member of a union is like. Being a member of a union, 95% of the time, is just like working. The only time you're going to know you're part of a union is if you look at your paycheck and you realize $5 went to your union dues. That's it. Um, this is... It really depends a lot on the specific union that you're in and the type of work that you do. But for me, probably the biggest thing I noticed as being part of a union was having elections and choosing a who leads your union for you and who will be your union steward and also voting on resolutions and what you are collectively asking for from your leadership. Like uh, the last union I was a part of at my last job, we decided that we needed, um, in short, better health benefits. We work for a healthcare institution. That is a very reasonable ask is, and, and what had spurred it really was an employee who was a housekeeper, which is one of the lowest paid members of our union, had gone through cancer treatment, thankfully had gone into remission, and surprise, surprise, could not afford the hundreds of thousands of dollars she now owed her employer, because of course she went to the healthcare organization she worked for, for her cancer treatment, and she got sent to collections by her employer, which now meant that her employer was garnishing her wages to pay themselves. Well, that just seems all kinds of fucked up. <laughs> and that was a major point in that round of negotiations was not only better pay, that's, that is a fundamental prevailing factor in every union that I have ever even read about, is you get better pay if you're part of a union. Um, but also that the health organization do, will not send employees to collections, point blank. Uh, another component that we asked for in that particular election was that we also have designated financial counselors specifically for employees who can help us with financial assistance, who can help us with um, 
with Medicaid if we're eligible, um, and who can just help the union members navigate accessing healthcare, basically, which is something that should be very simple for someone who works in a healthcare organization. I feel that is not a radical statement. No. Like, you work for a hospital. You should be able to go to the hospital. Um, Funny, that. And I... I didn't realize this at the time, and in retrospect, I really wish I had known this. Um, but because we were a union, we did get better pay, and we got more consistent pay increases directly due to our union's negotiations. So that, that better pay thing, that is a, a pretty consistent fact of, of labor unions. On average, union members see a wage increase of about 20% over non-organized labor. So here in Portland, we have Powell's Books, which is internationally famous bookseller. They... they their main store comprises six or seven floors of an entire city block building, and all of their employees are represented by the booksellers union. I worked for Barnes & Noble, who was not represented by unions, and I, I know for a fact that their wages at Powell's were substantially higher than what Barnes & Noble was offering because Barnes & Noble is is a nationwide chain. It's got the brand recognition. It has more impetus to push back against or unionization processes, I guess, um, the, the attempt to organize. And I, I have always stood in awe of the fact that labor unions consistently get workers at least 20% more. Um, another thing that I saw, and kind of bouncing off of the um, that attempt to unionize is with the employer I'm currently with, which is non-union, uh, we did go through a really very kind of, I wouldn't say hostile, but a very back and forth process of attempting to unionize, which was eventually, it, it was heavily debated, obviously. Um, and it actually went as far as the National Labor Relations Board. And the, the, the short version of this is we were not able to unionize because we didn't have the ballots to make it happen. Um, there's a lot of debate around that. There's a lot of controversy around that. Um, but what's done is done. And I had, I had never really understood how much money and how much time and how much effort companies will put into union busting and I remember the nearly daily emails reminding us that we can't talk about unionizing while we're on the clock we can't talk to union representatives on campus um, if we see union representatives on campus we have to let our manager know um, we I remember even one day getting pulled into a two-hour meeting 
that was kind of disguised in this notion of, we want you to know the history of our company and where we come from and the benevolence that we are committed to and the um, charitable nature of our organization. And it, it really was just, we don't want you to unionize. We are going to punish you if you try to unionize. And we are going to go to great lengths to make it difficult for you to unionize. And it, and honestly, before that point, I was kind of eh on unions. I, I certainly saw the benefits, but I also did not like that I was paying union dues. The ones I had been paying had been high. Um, and at that point, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Why is this company... And... and and by money and time, I mean we had the chief operating officer and the chief nursing officer sitting down with a group of about 20 employees for two hours and multiple meetings across multiple days and multiple weeks. And these these C-level people, the, the CNO, the COO, CFO, all of them, were kind of taking turns on, on rounding these meetings with about 20 employees at a time. And just, it it baffled my mind that they had the time to do that and that they saw that as a worthwhile use of their time. And then you look at what unions have accomplished historically, what unions are doing for people now, and it makes a lot of sense for the company. If they want to be spending as little money as possible and pulling as much money back as possible... You don't want your employees to unionize. Because what will happen is you will be paying them more. You will be providing better benefits. It will be more difficult as a company to control their behavior. And, and when employees are represented by a union, you, as the company, you pretty much lose the ability to to really talk one-on-one -on -one with that person. That the employee can at any moment, if they are, you know, if, if you get that tap on the shoulder, hey, I need to see you in my office for a minute, you can immediately say, okay, I'll be right there. I just need to get my union representative. And that happened to me a few times. And every time that it happened, they said, oh, never mind. We'll just send you an email. And then it would just be a casual email about basically nothing, usually just a mistake I had made on a chart note or something. And I don't know what the nature of that conversation was going to be, but I know that it saved me time and it saved me having to go sit down face to face with a manager where conversations become a matter of he said, she said. And having a steward and having a representative in there with that conversation keeps it balanced and it, it provides a, a balance to the check of their power that they have in that moment. This is completely aside from anything, but I, I know that right now you work for a religious organization. I do. Do you think that the, the nature of the organization that you work for being a, a religious organization do you think that has any kind of interplay in the the decision to work so hard 
to prevent organization efforts? Yes and no. Yeah, well, yes and no to a lot of parts of what you just said. Um, yes, I work for a religious organization. We were founded by the Order of the Sisters of Providence. Um, we are currently celebrating um, the Feast of St. Joseph, um, which is a time where, obviously, we're not having feasts right now, um, but it's a time where we're all encouraged to volunteer and do community service and blah, 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 blah. I don't do that. My community service is the fact I go to work. That's enough. Um, but I think they, they push the image of being a religious organization and they kind of use that as a shield whenever they kind of get themselves into morally ambiguous grounds because one of the things that they kept saying during all of the union busting that they were engaged with is we want to have a direct relationship with our employees. Um, and they kept using the phrase, um, assume positive intent. And very much trying to mask under the guise of, you know, we're all here to do the right thing. We're all here to, to really do sacred work and, and the, the sanctity of healthcare and, and supporting human lives. And trying to mask it under that cloak of morality when in reality, we still have a religious charter that is true, but we, Providence was given a, oh, I forget how they phrase it. They were, they were transferred to secular stewardship in 2012, I want to say. It was somewhere in either, somewhere between 2008, 2012. And they are still overseen by a board of nuns and priests and the Archbishop of Oregon. Um, and we definitely still have a very Catholic presence. But our, C our CEO is a secular person. We have a secular board. We are no longer... Our, our management is no longer exclusively people of the cloth. Interesting. I might have to cut that. I was just curious. That's fine. This might be a short episode. Again. It may be a short episode again. That's fine. Um, so... We talked about what unions have done, what they have given not just current union members, but also just the general public. What are unions doing today? Um, I think the biggest thing that unions are really engaged with right now is the fight for 15, the nationwide uh, push to drive the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. That, that is a huge priority for every single union, except for one particular type of union. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about minute. it in a minute. Um, it is a huge priority because at, at the heart of all union and collective bargaining is all the employees coming together and saying, we should be getting paid more for what we're doing. 
we are worth more to this company than what they are paying us right now, which, you know, it piggybacks very much off of the last episode that we did where we talked about you are worth more than your wage. Unions are, they are a manifestation of that belief. It's all the workers coming together and saying, we deserve better than this. We should at the very least be treated better and more humanely, if not paid more, and if not both. And I think looking at the history of what labor unions have accomplished for every worker in this country, that, that really supports that idea of collectivism and, and making sure that people aren't just sacrificing for their job, but they're, they're able to draw a living wage, they're able to have time to have interests and pursuits outside of the workplace. Um, they're, they're not seven-year-olds in a coal mine. Exactly. So we talked about one particular type of union that isn't really in line with the priorities of pretty much all other labor unions. And what's strange is this is the only type of union that is universally applied to every single person within its professional membership. Everyone who is engaged in this form of labor is part of this union. What kind of union are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about fucking cop unions. Ugh. The fact that they use the word union is a disgrace. They have more in common both in a formal structure and in a moral stance with the mafia. At best, a college fraternity more akin to the mafia. They function like the mafia. They walk into labor negotiations with locals, local government, state government, federal government, and they push and bully their way into getting what they want. We, we see this happening literally right this minute here in Portland. There's, there's a neighborhood organization that is not a, a city-recognized neighborhood organization. It's a secondary neighborhood organization focused on community safety, sarcastic finger air quotes. Um, and they recently hosted a high-ranking member of the Portland Police Association, and that person spoke at length for hours about how the, the Portland Police Bureau is being defunded, and the, the new district attorney is not prosecuting crime, and if you're worried about your safety, you need to vote this guy out of office in flat contradiction to actual law saying that this is not something these people can do. Officers, police officers cannot engage in any kind of political discourse or endorsing or reviling seated or candidate politicians. This officer, this high ranking officer, she's, she oversees one of the three bureaus in the city, she went on ad nauseum about how we need to vote out the new district attorney, we need to vote out the mayor, we need to vote out city council members that aren't supportive of the Portland Police Bureau. And they do this. They walk in and they throw their weight around and they, they bully people into submission just like cops do with 
everyday citizens when they, they have any kind of citizen interaction. And the, the police union, again, sarcastic finger air quotes, is corrupt to its core because they represent a profession that is corrupt to its core. It is taking all the good things that unions have done and that unions are trying to do and denigrating and abusing them. They're taking that desire of we should all earn a wage that is comparable to the labor we do and saying we should just be paid a lot of money. To do whatever the fuck we want. To buy toys and machines that do not belong, honestly, in reality. Things that should be completely left in the world of fantasy movies and video games. And it's, it's not even necessarily about weaponry. It's also about training. When, when you look at the Minneapolis Police Department, there's a, a captain in the Minneapolis Police Department that has completely gone against revised city law that the city council voted unanimously to outlaw warrior training. And this person, who who is a high-ranking union member, um, not only fought against that, that piece of legislation that helps amp up the aggression of the Minneapolis Police Department, but also circumvented that law and is still training police officers in warrior training. They, they literally function as the anti-union. They are not working for anybody's betterment. They are not working for anybody's better good. They are literally just working for themselves to have as much freedom and latitude with no consequences and as much money as possible. And it's the fact that they will defend a murderer who literally has just killed someone in cold blood for no reason. Unions do not or should not have that power. They should not be the arbiters and defenders of murderers. If I, in in my job when I was still represented by a union, if I had killed someone somehow through doing my job or doing my job wrong, my union would have said goodbye. Best of luck. <laughs> So fast, I they would have been the ones terminating me, not even my boss. They would have said, nope, you're done, goodbye, you're under arrest, you're guilty, go. It's, it, it is absolutely ludicrous that we have this organization that's calling themselves a union coming along and saying, oh, you can't fire them just because they broke the law. You, you can't, can't fire, fire this person just because they killed someone in cold blood. You can't fire this person just because they routinely beat their spouse. You can't fire this person because they're raping suspects. No, this person is a hardworking person under inordinate amounts of stress. You can't fire them just because of a brief lapse of judgment. I legitimately can't remember if we talked about this when we talked about 
policing in America. But this right here is why we say there is no good cop. Because when, when all cops are part of this union and this union decides that they're going to rally behind someone who was videotaped murdering another human being in cold blood with no due process, then what you have is an entire organization that by default cannot be considered good. This is why we say all cops are bad. This is why even if it is a even if a good person goes and decides to sell their labor to the police as an officer, in that moment, that good person is no longer good. Unless they leave. We know a large number of good people think that they're doing good by joining their police department, and they do, and they walk in, and they see what it actually is, and they turn around and walk back out. Those cops? Those are good cops. Or they try and reform it from within. And get pushed out within weeks or months. Also good cops. Yes. Cop unions, though? Bunch of bullshit. Arbiters of depravity. Workers unions. Not bullshit. Workers unions are amazing. They have gotten us every single piece of, of progress and protection in the workplace that American workers have made. And currently, we see... Capitalists like Jeff Bezos actively union busting, saying no. I, I don't remember what state it is. Georgia. I was gonna say Georgia, but I wanted to make sure. No, Georgia Amazon workers, you don't need to be unionized. You don't deserve union representation. You don't deserve living wages. You don't deserve safe working conditions. You don't deserve breaks that are are consistent with being able to walk across this massive distribution facility. You don't deserve any of these things. I have all the money. I make all the rules. You don't need a, a union to say, you know what? They actually do deserve these things. I think a really good point to make that really just is probably the clearest way to define true labor unions, workers unions, trade guilds, etc. from police associations is that police unions and police associations are really not involved in common union problems such as the attempt for these Amazon workers to unionize in Georgia. SCIW Local 55 which is who I used to belong to they are actively like they have feet on the ground in Georgia helping people organize helping people get signatures helping people fight the fight. UFCW, I forget what number we were, but the one I was part of when I was in Seattle, they have vocalized their support. All all labor unions are generally speaking supportive of one another, and they feel that when one union is fighting for something for their workers, we should all fight for it because what they see as good for this group of employees is good for everybody. And they want to see everybody have the same privileges and the same rights and the same comforts that the union members have. And again, 
just to reiterate, cop unions aren't participating in that push. Absolutely not. Either complete radio silence or direct and vocal opposition. Thank you for joining us for this week's Social Cast. Social Cast publishes a new episode every Sunday, so make sure to add us to your podcast library to be notified of new content. Social Cast is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Join the conversation with us on social media. Find us on Facebook under Social Cast Podcast and on Twitter at Social Cast Pod. If you're interested in supporting SocialCast, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash SocialCast.